Oh, man, it is so good to see you all this morning. As John said, my name is Kyle, and I'm the lead pastor here at Generations Church. And this morning, as we get into this Give Over Get series, I just want to make sure everyone here understands who Generations Church is. John gave us the, that kind of mission vision statement a minute ago, but it says we, we are, we're a community of people, we are everyday people committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. And we also have some values that are an overflow of that vision. And so one of the things that we, we use our vision and our values for is it helps us make decisions. So when we look at the Bible and we try to are prayerfully consider who is God calling this community of people to be? We, we prayerfully sought God and came up with a vision and express it through some values. And so our five values at Generations Church, the first one is spirit over self. And you're going to notice the theme here in a second. The second one is give over get. The third one is progress over perfection. The fourth one is story over sin. And the last one is send over stay. And I'm not going to get into all of those, but you can read those on our website. If you haven't visited our website, we've got those all outlined there. But we are going to look at give over get. And now you notice the theme in each of those. It's something over something else. I went, growing up, I was told that life is about choices. Life is about choices. And so you would choose and you'd have to establish priorities and you'd have a way to make your decisions. So some of you make different decisions here in this room. And some of you may go the old school way of, of pro-con list. And I guess it's not really old school way. But if you're trying to make a difficult decision, you make a pro and a con list to figure out which option you should choose. Maybe if you're in the workplace, if you're familiar with the quadrant of important, urgent, not important, not urgent, and you use that little quad uh, for part grid to figure out what you should do during your day and through your week. And so what happens is we have these mechanisms that help us make choices. At Generations Church, we use our values to help guide and shape the choices that we make. So even so much as what we do on a Sunday morning, how we express our followership of Jesus throughout the week. And I think what happens is Far too often, we tend to choose the latter of the options that I gave us. We feel like we have to be perfect in order to cut it. Or we feel like life's all about what we get. Or when we're trying to make a tough decision, we go what our, just our gut reaction is, that, that self. Sometimes we look at another person and size them up and write them off by a perceived sin in their life. And sometimes we hold on to people and things specifically as we want to be a church planning church and we want people to stay rather than release them into God's kingdom and equip them and empower and send them out. And sometimes we're just conditioned to choose some of those latter options because our world is filled with faulty maps. And we need a shift in our thinking and we also need a shift and are living. So we're going to take a closer look at give over get and how that's explained and expressed as we say that give over get 
is looking to make a difference in the lives of others through generous living rather than always wanting to receive more. And so before I tell you what this series is as I kind of initiate that today, let me tell you what it's not about. This series is not about getting more out of you. It's not about convincing you to do more, getting more money out of you, getting you to volunteer more, getting you to serve. It's because that, that would be the opposite of what our value at Generation Church is. It, it's not about getting more out of you. In some ways, what this series is really about is helping us have a common language so that as we follow Jesus, and as we learn to love each other and care for each other well, and we're faced with those difficult choices and tough relational moments, or we're faced with someone on a Tuesday or a Wednesday afternoon, and you, that Holy Spirit brings back to your mind, you're, you're faced with a choice here. What should you choose? And we hope that through a common language and a common just value that you will choose to give over get. And we believe that as we help this language exist in our community, that as we interact with people Monday through Saturday, it's going to communicate while the church community differs from other communities in the world. And so this morning we pick up a story about Jesus. Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem. He's laid the foundation for his ministry. He's invited people to follow him. He's even said some challenging things. That, so now these Pharisees, these guys who are very legalistic and part of the law, begin to oppose him. But what Jesus said is, as part of this opposition, he has told his followers who are learning to follow him, and again, they're on this road, they're on this journey to Jerusalem. So following Jesus kind of on this, this road, and you'll, you heard that in some of our values, you know, progress over perfection. Following Jesus is a lifelong journey. And so on this road, Jesus is being oppressed, and he says, don't worry about this because you're going to put, be put in front of people, and the Holy Spirit is going to give you some words to say. And what Jesus does is on this road, as more and more people are curious and trying to figure out who is this Jesus, even though he's made it pretty clear who he is, that he's been explaining and demonstrating that his way is upside down. It flips some of the cultural values and some of the cultural norms on their head, and he reorients them to the way God wanted it to be, and he expresses that through himself. So Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem for Passover. And he wants these disciples to learn with him as he goes on this journey. And what he reveals is through the series of teachings through this middle section of Luke is over and over and over again, he points to this common theme that our desires must reflect our destination. Jesus' destination in this narrative is Jerusalem. He has resolutely set out to go to Jerusalem, and he knows he is going to be crucified, he's going to be mocked, and he's going to be put to death. And nevertheless, he still points himself towards Jerusalem. And he invites others to come along for this journey, really, 
to come and die. And at the core of this, the core of these teachings, is he's going to say once again, what will you choose? Will you choose to put the way things you've always done ahead of the way, of, ahead of my way? Or will you choose truly follow me? And that brings us to this passage as Jesus is on his way to lay his life down for us. And it's interesting because this growing group of people are following him and someone just throws this question out from amongst amongst the crowd. Hey, teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. And Jesus responds, friend, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you. This person from the crowd who's kind of following Jesus, who's trying to figure out who Jesus is, throws this question out there to see if Jesus will take his side. See, the person is looking for an authority to help this man get what is his rather than deal with the loss of life. He's talking about an inheritance, which means someone in his family has died. And he wants Jesus to take his side over his brother. And what's been interesting is probably this guy has heard about this good news that Jesus' disciples went ahead of him announcing. The good news to the poor, that the kingdom of God is here. That Jesus is going to usher in this new way that renews God's commitment to Israel and that his blessing will go through them to all nations while also portraying Jesus as the good and wise king. So this guy is thinking, if Jesus is going to pronounce good news to the poor and he's this good and wise king, let's throw out a question and see how he responds. And though Jesus had taught on how our great value to God is that, that we have value to God. This man just interrupts his teaching for this financial dispute. Now here's what you need to know about the law of the day. That the elder brother in a family received two-thirds of the inheritance. And the younger brother receives one-third. What's interesting is this man does not ask Jesus to listen to both sides of the argument. To see if who's the un- older brother and who's the younger brother. And make a righteous and good judgment. He just simply asked Jesus to take his side against his brother. Tell my brother to divide this inheritance. And obviously, Jesus' words about the need for a full commitment and God's care for us didn't penetrate this man's heart. So if you go back in Luke chapter 12 and you read that, that's some of the things that Jesus has said. This man felt that he needed to fight for what was his. What's interesting is one commentator notes, he says, if each of these men learned that the, what the real meaning of life was and sought as its chief endeavor to be rich toward God, the question of whose possessions was whose would settle itself. The one would be eager to share while the other would be careless about receiving. See, in this moment, this man is masking his desire for greed and his coveting by claiming that he's on some sort of righteous crusade. And oftentimes, 
we mask our own desire, our own greed, our own coveting by claiming that we are on a righteous crusade. And Jesus, avoiding the question in some way, but also addressing the heart of the issue, continues on. And he says, and he told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. And then Jesus tells them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. And he thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. I'll store all of my grain and my goods there. Then I'll stay to myself. You have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded from you. And all the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That is how the one who stores up treasure for himself is not rich towards God. And just so we're clear, greed or coveting means wanting what doesn't belong to you. And what this Jesus says, he says, is watch out, be on guard against all greed. Because one's life is not in the abundance of possessions. Sometimes we measure the success or the state of our life by what we have. And flip that. Sometimes we measure the status of what we are in life by what we don't have. We, we look around us and we see, look at other people. We compare. We feel like we, maybe we should have more. And what we do is what that plants a seed in our heart as it begins to, to form and then grow if we don't recognize it, what it is. It plants a seed in our heart that basically says, we're not counting our blessings. We're not recognizing that our treasure is not in physical things, but must be in our relationship with Jesus. And it's interesting because I think just kind of a social construct that displays our propensity to want to get more is the fact that the storage business in our country rapidly is rapidly growing. I mean, I can count since the times I've moved to Vancouver, there's already been four new like self-storage places that have gone up and been, been built in the areas where I live. And, and again, that may be just be an anecdotal just observation, but what what I think the root there is, is we just have this desire to, we got to accumulate more. We got to get more. And then once we kind of get some stuff, we don't know what to do with it. So we just put it in storage because we need, we can't, we can't lose it because we, we've identified who we are with some sort of our possessions. And again, let me just say right here, I'm not against having stuff, but when your identity is caught up in what you have and your stuff, we have to remember that that stuff can be taken from us. And when your stuff is taken from you, if the whole sum total of who you are is caught up in that stuff, you will feel worthless. But we serve a creator God who says we are not worthless, we are not forgotten, and we are not unimportant. No, in fact, we are important, we are valuable, and we are loved, which is why Jesus 
time and time again. says, don't put your stuff, don't put your identity and your self-worth in your possessions. Let me say this statement again. One's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. One's identity is not in what you have. Some people think that the good life is eating, drinking, relaxing, and being merry. And that's what this parable illustrates. And the man was a fool, not because he was rich, but because he lived without any awareness and preparation for eternity. The people who define life by what they possess and enjoyed will be called fools. And then this may hit a little too close to home for you because you find yourself chasing after that perfect vacation, that perfect house, that perfect relationship, that, that perfect thing to just put on your wall. Maybe it's the perfect thing that you put in your pocket. Living for that upgrade is the way I would call it. Is everything you do is you live just so you can upgrade to the next and have enough just to get the next. The man's problem was not that he had treasure. It's not that we have stuff on earth. But it's that he was not rich toward God. And so Jesus continues. And he almost turns from the crowd to his disciples. And he says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn. Yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Jesus turns to his disciples because they're in relationship to him. He wants them to remember that they have that relationship with him. And in this moment, he says, do not worry. And this worry is referring to the consumption or the seeking of possession of stuff. Let me be crystal clear. This worrying in this moment, in this parable, in this section, is not dealing with anxiety or mental illness. That's, that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about your mind being consumed about having stuff. If that is all you can think about. That's all you can think about. What will happen is that will come between your relationship with God, between you and your relationship with God. And what's interesting is this worry is backed up in different studies as far as the effects of it. Research shows that worry deteriorates our immune systems. People under constant worry show lower T-cell counts, essential for immune response. Prolonged worry has been shown to affect the brain, making a person less able to respond to future stress. And that worry compounded over time about stuff is also related to sudden heart failure. See, your life is more than things. Your life is valuable to God. So life is not defined by the things we have. Life is worth more than all those things. And I think sometimes we come to the sobering reality of that when death is present. 
And it's ironic that at the start of this section of Scripture, this man throws out something about inheritance, recognizing that, again, someone has died. And I think of a poem. Now, those of you who have heard me sing know that I'm not very rhythmic and I can't be on key, so you'll have to bear with me as I read this poem. But it reminds me of this poem called The Dash. Maybe you've heard of it before. And it says this. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For the dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters most is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left and can still be rearranged. To be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about you, about how you lived your dash? Death sometimes forces us to reflect on the choices that we make. Do we live a life that's reflected in life and love that's not superficial, but is one that's filled with purpose, remembering where our worth comes from? Just to continue some of the illustration from Jesus. It says in verse 25, Can any of you add a cubit to his height by worrying? Man, that would be great. I'd love to be like 6'6". Six, six. If, then, if then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass, which is of, in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you of little faith? See, I think we're tempted to think worrying is the same thing as thinking or planning or even protecting ourselves. Take careful note that the birds don't worry but they do work. Birds don't sit there with open mouth expecting God to fill them. God provides. The worry many people have on the material things of life is rooted, I think, in a low understanding of their value before God. They don't com comprehend how much He loves and cares for them. I think sometimes we get call, caught up in the things of our stuff because we think at the end of our life that's how we're going to be measured because we're caught up in the day and day out of 
measuring ourselves and measuring others by that same amount. But God cares for the flowers and for the grass and for the birds. And that grass would not grow if there weren't days of sun and days of rain. Because if there was just days, sunny days, the flowers would die quickly. And if there were just days of rain, then well, they would be flooded and die. And what I love is that as we look at God's provision, one of the ways in which God provides is through people. God provides through people. And we've seen that here in our own church. We've seen gas, gas cards given. We've seen cars loaned out. We've seen extra rides given. We've seen, I mean, I, I, the list could go on. We've seen an extra prayer or an extra couple of dollars thrown someone's way, like I said, for, for gas. Maybe a loaning of uh, a couch or, or a chair. It's time well spent to help repair someone's house. What happens is we forget that we do have a family. And I think sometimes we get so consumed by what we have that we forget to ever express the needs that we do to specifically sometimes the people here. Because God loves to provide through people. That is what he does and how he, how he works. And honestly, that's what makes us a family. That what's ma- that's what makes us able to bear one another's burdens, to be for each other and ultimately be a community of people that differs from every community in the world. And I would just encourage you, if you've been one of those people who have received some blessing from someone else in this church community this week, let them know that. Write a card, extend a a call, and just tell them thank you. And on the other side of that, if you're someone who has a need, and you've been hesitant to share it, you felt like, what if that need is unmet? Can I, can, I be trust, can I trust this community of people with that need? I'll say something similar that I did last week. Put us to the test. Let us meet that challenge. You are not alone and you are loved. Give us the opportunity to express our richness towards God by being a blessing in your life. Jesus goes on and he capstones this sentiment. And he says in uh, verse 29, don't keep striving for what you should eat or what you should drink and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money, bags for yourself that won't grow old, and inexhaustible treasure in heaven. Whether no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The purpose of life is to seek God in his kingdom. Not the things, not be defined by the stuff, And the mystery of life is that when we seek God and his will and his way, God provides for our needs. And again, oftentimes he does that through people. 
And we receive a kingdom. We receive a family in exchange for worry. So Jesus contrasted the life of those who do not know God and are separated from him and those who do know God and receive his loving care. Those who know God should seek after those other things, should seek after God's will and his way and invite others to do the same. And this is why we value give over get. Because in the moment, we will face choices. And in that moment, we'll we have to face that choice. Will we be like everyone else? Or will I make a choice that communicates something different? Generous living, a willingness to bless others, knowing that we might not get anything in return. The mystery of the kingdom is the more we give, actually, the more we get. See, the kingdom is not like an Easter egg hunt where we have to go searching for it and find that special egg or that prize. And when we realize this, the world's possessions on our soul lose their grip on us. Jesus didn't simply tell them to stop worrying. He told them to replace their worry with a concern for the kingdom of God. And a habit and a passion can only be given up for a greater habit or passion. So will you let God's family, your invitation to it, by what Jesus has done for you on the cross and proven in his resurrection and the promise of him coming back, will you allow that to come to bear in your life? When we read that passage that says, Jesus sell your possessions and give them to the poor, we feel that small, quiet voice say, is that really what Jesus is saying? Is that really what he wants me to do? And when simply, he gives this command to his immediate disciples as a test of discipleship and really as a tool to train us because it's giving that's the antidote to greed. See, giving roots out greed and a readiness to respond to the call of generosity and to the life of someone else is a sign of genuine conversion. It's a sign of undivided loyalty to Jesus and is a sign of faith in him. And we can use this life's possessions to bless those in our church and those in our community because we know the Father gives us a kingdom and a treasure that cannot be taken away, stolen, or decay. See, those earthly possessions lose their grip on you when you are reminded that we have an eternal inheritance that cannot be taken away when we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus. See, our desires must reflect our destination. And people will come into contact with you and ask about, well, aren't you concerned about fill in the blank? And we're all going to have areas of our life where we feel this pressure of this truth, where we're going to face that choice. Should I look about what I get out of it? Or will I be able to respond with generosity and give? And it's a choice to make even when your circumstances aren't 
ideal. Because it's going to reaffirm again and again that your treasure is not in your stuff, but your treasure is in Jesus. And it is that because of Jesus that it will enable you to give and be generous even when your circumstances are far from ideal. So the expectation is not to simply receive. The expectation is to participate. So in the coming weeks, we're going to get very practical with this give over gift. We are going to look at relationships. We're going to look at your gifting. We're going to look at, we're, we're going to take a week and look at money and say, is your treasure where, like, place your treasure where your heart is. And we want your heart to be with Jesus. And your connection with God and your connection with others will enable you to choose give over get when you would rather opt out. So as we go in through this series, let me just reiterate a couple things that we've been saying as we've started Generations Church. You will be able to give over get. You will be able to to exercise spirit over self. You will be able to remember progress over perfection when you are connected to Jesus. And so we want you and continue to encourage you. Make sure you're spending time and reading your Bible and prayer. And be reminded that the Holy Spirit is there with you because He will give you the words to say. And have a connection with people so that when you are struggling with should I give and even that temptation to look at what you get out of it, that people will remind you, no, we're in this together. Both Sunday, midweek, and I would say even on social media. We can remind each other. We can tell stories. So I want to send us with those first, those last couple reminders and reiterate this simple thing. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our desires must reflect our destination. We want your destination to be eternity with Jesus. He makes all things new when he comes back. Let's pray and let's live like it. Let's remember to put give over get in all the areas of your life where you live, work, and play. Let me pray for that.